Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning to you all. This is the day that the Lord has made. I don't care what Joe Richardson said. This is a great day because the Lord has made it. Uh, uh, today, we're going to continue in a unit that we started uh, last week, uh, giving some examples of how God calls men of God and he uh, certainly, uh, uh, the author certainly chose a great one today out of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter six. And uh, we're going to look at the commission of Isaiah, Isaiah's commission, Isaiah's call. And uh, what, what a great text. This is one that uh, to edify you and build you up uh, today. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're looking at the various examples of calls, and uh, th there's got to be some meaning to this, and it's, it's to show us, uh, Sister Pillow, how God has called men uh, and women in the past uh, for service. And uh, one of the things uh, uh, that, 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 that more and more uh, is becoming uh, clearer and clearer to me that uh, the audiences in which these biblical narratives are written uh, are very important, uh, but we can never forget who it's for. It's written to somebody, but it's for somebody. And today, this lesson is for us. And uh, I'm highly motivated today, Terry J. I'm very highly motivated because I heard my own deacon, Steve Harmon, who was promoted uh, just uh, a few minutes ago by sister, none other than sister Dolores Ogletree. Uh, she promoted him to Reverend Steve Harmon. So, that, oh, what, what, a, what a blessing uh, that is. That's good news to my ears to know that we've even got preachers that come to family church school. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. <laughs> Uh, we want to have some fun today with this lesson, but it's a very serious one. Uh, we're going to look at, uh, like I said, Isaiah 6. Uh, amen, 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 amen. Isaiah's commission. You know, the book of Isaiah uh, is one of those uh, rare books in the Bible uh, Sister Randall, uh, that can be described as a Bible within a Bible. Uh, it, it is uh, 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 complete in every way written, uh, and, and the way that the chapters in the Bible, those 66 chapters corresponding to the 66 books of the Bible, uh, they're not necessarily written chronologically. And we see that by today's uh, passage of scripture. Chapter six, verse one, is really the start of the book. Isaiah uses five chapters, Sister Pillars, to show you an overview 
uh, at a 10,000 foot level of the various prophecies that he rendered during the span of service for four kings. It is when we get to verse one of chapter six, we see how it is that Isaiah was called, how Isaiah was commissioned. And from that, we have an example, another example, just like in Samuel, uh, 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 we, we see God reaching out, calling, anointing, and commissioning his man of God for service. And as I said last week, many of you have been called. You know what you, by now, you should have known what you've been called to and for. And it wasn't as spectacular as chapter six. I guarantee. But nevertheless, it wasn't as spectacular, but it was just as significant. And God uses these passages in the through the personality of Isaiah, of Isaiah, a prophet, a major prophet, who prophesied with exceedingly great accuracy the birth. Uh, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ some 785 years before it occurred. This is a bad boy we're talking about today. And this is how he was called. And to help me this morning, uh, Sister uh, Vanessa, I need you to read for me. Uh, first of all, the golden text, uh, verse eight. And when you read verse eight, I then want you to read verse one immediately. Okay, verse eight. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. <sighs> verse one. In the year that King Uzzah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Ah, uh, thank you, Sister Vanessa. You just don't know how I wanted a New Yorker to read that because I know they try to get all proper a uh, Fred. I know she still got that New York brogue and she, you know, she's gonna try and fancy up, you know, the old preacher just call him Uzziah, Uzziah. Uh, and we know, we know uh, uh, we're not from New York, but, uh, we, we can call him Uzziah, Uzziah, whatever we want to call him, but uh, just call him because he's known as Uzziah, Ben Amos. In other words, Uzziah, the son of Amos. And Ben uh, Uzziah, you got to understand, uh, 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 Uzziah, you got to understand that Uzziah was very close to Isaiah, and Isaiah was very close to uh, Uzziah. But here today, Isaiah says that one of the most traumatic things in my life, I can pinpoint it. I can pinpoint it by the death of this king called Uzziah. Uzziah was considered a good king. 
As a matter of fact, in Jewish history, some say he was the last of the really good kings, even though we know that Jotham, who followed him, was considered good, and Hezekiah considered good. He, he was a good king and ruled Judah for some 52 years. And uh, 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 under Judah, uh, he conquered surrounding uh, nations, kept them at bay, and uh, the nation prospered. But in verse 1, Sister Vanessa read that in the very year that, cut, uh, that Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Because when you read, if you're reading chapters 1 through 5, you're thinking, oh, this... This, this brother got it going on. This, this prophet knows what he's doing. But, but see, when you get to verse 6, you realize, oh, it's not chronological. Because we're going to see uh, the, the anatomy of his conversion and call. Because he says, in 740 BC, I also saw the Lord. And the Lord Adonai, the sovereign God, the Lord of all the universe, all that is, the, the, the Lord that was pre-existent, I saw him. I met God. I saw in a vision God, and I saw him sitting on a throne. He wasn't sitting on a chair. He wasn't sitting on a stool. He was sitting on a throne, Sister Samuel. That's what Sister Vanessa read. She said he was sitting on a throne. That, that, that attests to his authority, his sovereignty. You know, everybody don't sit on a throne. And, and he is, he uses this term. And, and if you look at it, the Lord in this verse and the Lord in verse five, it's a different word. In this verse, Sister Liz, it's Adonai. He wants to point to you the supreme rulership of God, that the king had died, Uzziah. The, the human king had died, but there was still a king on the throne. That, that's what he's seeing there, Sister Ogletree. He, he's seeing that no matter what's going on in this world, no matter how bad things get, no matter who's in charge down here or who dies down here and leaves, that was good and did a lot of good things, they're not God. That we have a heavenly father who sits on the throne in the year that King Uzziah died. That's what she read. I saw also the Lord. It seems that everybody was hung up on Uzziah and his goodness. He was a good king but he was not righteous because see his, his doing good sometimes and, and being popular will sometimes go to your head. And we find that Isaiah uh, decided that he would play the part of both king and priest. And he went into the temple and he lit those incense candles. And for that, God judged him caused leprosy to come upon him, and he died. And in the year that he died, Isaiah 
saw the Lord. I, 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 I heard a, 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 a preacher one time say, how many Isaiahs need to die in order for you to see the Lord? See, because it, it, it would suggest that he never saw the Lord until Isaiah wasn't there. And it shows us how we can get caught up. We can get caught up in our, our, our denominations and our pastors and our churches and our, uh, church uh, school leaders and uh, evangelism teachers. We can get caught up at that. But, but uh, Isaiah reminds us that all of that kept him from really seeing the Lord. So in other words, Deacon Newsom, religion kept him from seeing the Lord because he certainly was a practicer. But the year that King Uzziah died, it says here that there's, there was some conversion started. There was some conviction began in the year that he died. He says that he saw the Lord and that the Lord was sitting high and lifted up. That's his position. In other words, Isaiah saw him in his rightful position, sitting on a throne, and the train filled the temple. I've been in Sunday school a long time, and I know Deacon Newsom been in there longer than me, because he's at least 10 years older than me. But but you know, he 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 it was always nobody ever dealt with that train. But but this week, Sister Pillar, I was reminded that. Only kings wear trains. You said, now that ain't true, Brisney. I, I saw Sister Smart Mouth Pillar. I saw her. I saw her. She said, that ain't true. That ain't true, Brisney. Because a bride wears a train on her wedding day. Bingo. It went off like a light bulb. I'm telling you, Fred, there was an illumination there. Because what Isaiah saw, he saw God in his rightful position. And the reason the train filled the temple is because that train, that, 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 uh, from, from Isaiah's perspective, from a human perspective, anytime you saw a train, you knew this was someone of great import. This was someone who needed to be attended to. That, that this was someone who did nothing for themselves. This is someone who did not serve, but was served. Look at that bride. On her bride today, those attendants are there. Her train is there because she is the focus of everything. That's what Isaiah is trying to show us this morning, that when he saw the Lord, he saw him in his position, high and lifted up, so high and lifted up that he was the focus of all attention. He wasn't down on the same plane with everybody else that was around uh, the heavenly throne. He was high and he was lifted up. Verse two, this is what Isaiah saw. And you know what? This is what you got to see. You got to see God for who he is. I'll tell you why in a minute. Sister Jeffries, I mean, Jeffries, uh, Sister Vanessa. Okay. Above, above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. You, you got to see the significance of this. The seraphim, the, the seraphim 
these, these, these very animated, personified, uh, uh, illuminated creatures, heavenly creatures, are above the throne. God is lifted high. He's sitting high and lifted up. And yet there are seraphim that are above the throne. And these seraphim, they have six wings. With two of them, they cover their eyes. And with two of them, they cover their feet. I did not get it, Deacon Newsom. But it shows you this one who is high and lifted up is God. And he's God. He's so much God that even the angels in heaven, even the seraphim and the cherubim in heaven come serving him in humility. So much so they won't even look at <laughs> So much so that they covered their feet. They want everything that they do for God to be perfect and in humility. You say, well, why the feet? The, the feet, they don't want anything. You, you would think that maybe these created beings, the feet are maybe uh, the most things that are not to be looked upon. That, that, that anything that they do for God got to be done in beauty. It's got to be done with humility. And Isaiah says that the year that Isaiah died, I saw God in this position and I saw who was attending to him. These great grand creatures serving him in humility. And in verse three, they're doing something really, 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 really strange. They're doing something really, really strange. Sister Vanessa? And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Notice one thing. They are not talking to God and they're not talking to Isaiah. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all didn't get that. They are not talking to God and they're not talking to Isaiah. What they are doing is they are serving the Lord God of hosts and they are revealing his personality. They've shown you in the previous verse, his position, high and lifted up. In, in this verse, they're showing you his personality. And that personality is that he's holy. Now, if I stop there, Deacon Newsom would be mad because he says, I see three holies there. I don't see just one. I see three holies. This is what you call the sacred trihagion, the sacred three times holy. The, the, the best way I've heard it described is that in, 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 in the Hebrew, if something is to be put in its highest state, it's stated three times. We already know that in Greek, it's two times. In other words, like Jesus would say, truly, truly, a verily, verily. In the Hebrew, it's three times. It's called the triagium. 
and 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 we find these creatures crying and they're crying out to each other holy 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 separate and apart from everything they're trying to convey to Isaiah the seer and they're showing us that God is totally holy that's why they come in humility that God is separate from everything else God is divine God is not human he's not just a superhuman he's not just a superhuman God is divine and yet this God we know made man in his own image ah uh, I wish Davies was here Fred because the light bulb would have went on for him because this is why God this is how Jesus could step into manhood, retain his divinity, and at the same time put on humanity because the divine, though separate, can be compatible with an unfallen human. Oh, y'all don't hear me. Oh, y'all, 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 y'all missed it. You missed Sunday school if you missed that. Because it went the year that 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 Isaiah died. Isaiah now sees God for who he is. He sees him for his position, that, that he is superlative and supreme to everything else, that he's separated, that he's holy, he's righteous, and, but he's not only just holy, he's holy, holy, holy. And here these creatures. I, I, I know in, in the book they they they, they gave y'all one of those uh, ten dollar words antiphonally. Uh, it, it simply means that in a chorus, or you know they were speaking uh, antiphonally, in that uh, it's like a responsive reading. You say something, then I say something, or you sing something, and I say something. You say yeah, I say yeah. That that's the chant that's going on there but they're attesting to God's supremacy in all the universe. This is what he saw. And I would suggest to you that if you're going to be all that God is calling you to be, you got to see God for who he is. You've got to see God for who he is, that God isn't just a, uh, 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 a, a heavenly being, a, a supreme being. God is God. And in order to know him, you must know him for his position, his personality, and his power. Sister Vanessa, verse four. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him, that cried and the house was filled with smoke. Isaiah goes on to tell you that in the year that all distractions were removed from my eyesight, I saw the Lord. I saw the creatures who worshiped him in the throne. I saw his position. I saw his 
personality. But then I saw something that really blew my mind. There were doorposts, wooden doorposts, that when the voice that was on the throne, ah, and who did we say was on the throne? God. When he who was on the throne spoke, doorpost moved. Now, I'm telling you, Beverly Johnson or Barbara Jean Johnson may not shout on that. But I tell you what, I think Dolores Ogletree and Deacon Newsom can. You know why? Because it shows not only the power, the personality, and the position of God, but it shows you the presence of God. And it shows you that whenever anything animate or inanimate is in the presence of God, it gives God glory. Heard it expressed this way also. If doorposts can shout in the presence of God, you mean to tell me you can come to church, you'll go to Resurrection Baptist Church, hear a great sermon today, and never say one word? <laughs> you'll never clap your hands. You'll never, you'll, you'll stand like a, 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 a wooden statue, but even a wooden statue, because here it says, even a wooden statue, a doorpost, shouts in the presence of the Lord. Ah. So, when Isaiah died, when Isaiah died, when all those things that were keeping you from seeing the Lord got out of the way, where all those things brought you back to focus on God, you saw God for who he really is. You've got to see it. Because this man is being converted. This man is being convicted. When you're down at your lowest point, which Israel was at this time, Judah in particular, the northern kingdom already been captured. The southern kingdom, the Assyrians are advancing. God's about to render judgment. It had to be a lowly time. Somebody's got, somebody needs to hear a word from the Lord. And God gives this vision to Isaiah ben Amos, a blue blood, one of nobility. And when all that other stuff got out of his life, he could now focus on God and see God for who he is. Now, Sister Vanessa, verse five. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. When, when you see the Lord for who he is, you see you for what you're not. Mm. And Isaiah says, woe is me, 
for I am undone. He didn't say, oh, it's the people at resurrection. They're undone. It's the people in San Antonio, Uvalde, Buffalo, Oklahoma, Utah. He didn't say that. He says, it's me. It's me. And I'm totally undone. Because you can't help but see God. But you can't help but see God and then see you. And when you compare you to God, you said, I'm undone. My life is messed up. Because what happens, they exposure to the very presence of God and the power of God and God's position will bring on conviction that you are totally undone. Ain't nothing good in you. Ain't nothing righteous about you. Nothing holy about you. God is holy, holy, holy. And you are, oh, you are, oh, you can't even say it. You are undone. And Isaiah says, when I saw God, when I saw God, I saw myself. And see, that's sensation. That's not a visual thing. He saw God, but he sensed what he was not. <laughs> see, his sense is activated, Fred. You, you see God and your other senses will kick in. You will know that you know that you know that your life is totally undone and that apart from God, it is even more undone. And it's not good grammar, but you get more undone and undone the further you get away from God. God <coughs> reveals to Isaiah what he's not by revealing who God is. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't say the things I need to say. I don't think that right way. I don't act the right way. I don't even talk the right way. I'm undone. Verse six, Sister Vanessa. Then flew one of the serpents unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the thongs from off the altar. These supernatural creatures. Here's the confession of the prophet-to-be. He took all his sins and he brought them to an altar before the great throne of God. And the servants of God picked up. Now, I know Dorothy Pillar got this one. Because she saw the word tongues in there. In other words, this thing was hot, Sister Liz. I'm, I'm telling you, it was hot. It, it was hot. They had to use tongues. They picked it up off the altar. They bought and they flew with those hot coals in their hands. And they, in verse 7, just read the first phrase there, Sister uh, Vanessa. 
and he said it unto my uh, and he and he, laid, he laid it unto my mouth. He put said, it in his mouth. They put it in his mouth, Monty. Fire purifies. Didn't Isaiah just confess his lips were unsaved? See, 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 you know, salvation is a complete thing. See, some folk, some, some folk, they say, well, yeah, I gave, I gave the Lord my life and, and, and you know, he sanctified uh, uh, me. He just ain't sanctified my tongue. But God is calling this prophet to be into service. And if he's going to speak for God, he needs to have a holy tongue. He needs to have a sanctified tongue. Ah, I tell you, a whole bunch of choir members can learn from this. You know, they need to have some sanctified tongues. <laughs> you know, you can't sing them beautiful melodies on Sunday morning. Cause on night, Saturday night. They need to have a sanctified tongue. And here we see Isaiah's mouth being sanctified for service. Hot coals. And you know what you don't hear though? You never hear him cry out about how hot it is. Those coals are hot. They're so hot that the creatures can't handle them with their bare uh, wings and hands. They need tongues to take them off that altar. But it's a, signa, uh, a symbol or a, a, a signifier or a symbol of the fact that once you confess your sins, once you bring them to the altar, God burns them up. God makes them right. You can't make yourself right. You can't sanctify yourself. You can't make yourself holy. It takes the power and the presence and the personality and the recognition of the position of God in order to bring that about. But we see it in verse seven. Okay, verse seven says, and he laid it upon my mouth and he said, lo, this hath touched thy lips and thy iniquity is taken away and thy sin is purged. See, once you meet the Lord, and know the Lord, recognize what you are not. God has a way of burning up all that past sin. People trying to equip themselves. How about their call? They, they, yeah, the Lord is moving mightily in my life. Have you met God? Have you seen God? Do you know God? Because if you know him, you sense him. Oh, y'all didn't hear him. Y'all didn't hear me. If you know God, you sense him and you sense yourself. It's impossible for a man to know himself. You don't know what you'll do if you don't know God. You don't, you, Cause you don't know you. Only God knows you. And it takes God for you to understand who you are and what you're not. It takes God for that. Verse seven says, but God has a way of purging sin. 
making you ready. That's why you can't worry about who or he ain't been called. Don't you remember? I remember he was down there on Skid Row. I, I remember when he used to uh, walk the white line. It wasn't the lines that were drawn in the highway, you know, because he just didn't walk them. He snorted them. Uh, he drank up all the skull there was this side of the Mississippi, you know. I mean, you couldn't have uh, uh, old granddad uh, in his company, you know, over there. we're not talking about his grandfather either. We're talking about that old bourbon that used to be on the map. Oh yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. He didn't call him. Chili couldn't have called him. <laughs> but this man met God. This noble man met God. This man of means met God. And I don't care if you're a poor man or a rich man. When you meet God, you find out what you are not. You are convicted, you confess your sins, and God will heal you from all your iniquity. Ah, I tell you. That, that's a sermon in itself. For those of you who think about sleeping in today, you need to go get the full one. God will heal you from your iniquity. And Sister Vanessa already read verse eight for us. But I had her read it first. Because I wanted you to see how he got there. Because we said we saw the position, the personality. We saw the presence of God. We felt the presence of God. We made a confession and God healed us of our iniquity. And verse eight says, then God spoke to him. So, Sister Randall, did you see that? Did you see verse eight when it says, then God spoke to him? I am so sick of folk running out talking about they've been called to do this and to do that. I know I've been called and da-da-da-da. When's the last time you talked to God? What has God last talked to you mm. and told you to do something? I tell you, he speaks to you on a regular basis and you ignore him. Yeah, you ignore him for that. But the things that he's asked you to do, you haven't done it. And we know why. Those tongues, those feet, those hands, that body, that life has not been put on the altar and purged of its sin. But you're going to go do something for the Lord on emotion. Verse 8 says, also, I heard. While ago, he was seeing and sensing. Now he's hearing. Mm -hmm. He's hearing from God himself. He can't say no bishop told me. He, didn't say, he can't say, Pastor Brown told me. Uh, Pastor Cobbs encouraged me to, to follow my, my, my heart and, and answer the Lord's call. No. When God wants to talk to you, God will talk to you. God ain't going to tell Dick and Newsom something about me that he ain't told me. He'll come to you. And God says that whom shall I send and who will go for us? Mm. I guarantee you those are rhetorical questions. Those are rhetorical questions because it's a test. God is not pulling uh, Isaiah 
to do something against his will, to answer yes, no, maybe so. No, God is saying, who? God is omniscient. He knows who. He knows the who, what, why, where. But he asked the question. And the question really reveals something about God. We see again, for all those naysayers who don't believe in the divine trinity, if you didn't get it in verse three, holy, holy, holy. The reason why they were speaking antimononally is that they were looking at God, but they knew of the three personalities. And he says, no matter what personality you pick, you'll find them holy. If you pick God the Father, he's holy. If you pick God the Son, he's holy. If you pick God the Holy Spirit, he is holy. Now in verse eight, God speaks himself and says, whom shall I send? God the Father speaking. But who will go for us? <laughs> and who will go for us? That, that's, 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 that's the divine uh, Godhead, folk. That's three in one. That's Trinitarianism. But then there's something else, Sean. Then I said, see, now it's your time to speak. God asked the question, and here's what Isaiah says. Lord, I don't know if you're just playing with me or you're just, uh, you know, you're just throwing out there to see what I would say. But with all my heart, with all my soul, I say to you, here am I. If he had stopped there, you would say, you know what? That sounds just like Samuel last week. Y'all remember? Remember, Sister Bella, didn't, didn't Samuel say, here I am? I am here. Here I am. But there's another part of this. Isaiah says, here am I, I'm available. Send me, I'm agreeable. See, many of us are available. Oh, we got the time to do it. We got the time to do it, Sister Marsha. We just won't do it. We're available. But Isaiah says, what you are about to ask me to do, Lord, in your question, I know what you're about to ask me to do. I understand it fully. I'm available and I'm agreeable. I'm in concert with you, Lord. And so many times God has asked us stuff. And yes, we will say, uh, we're quick to say, I'll go. And God ain't said, I'll send you. Mm. Isaiah says, I will go if you send me. You see, just, just send me, Lord. I'm going to wait on you. I'm available. You send me, Lord. And we're going through the rest of this chapter and we see how it is. God's response to Isaiah. He says, yes, son, sanctify those lips. And now here's what I want you to do. And so it is. That, that's the call. The call is you've got to know God. 
The call is you've got to know yourself. The call is you've got to confess sin. The call is you've got to be ready, available, and agreeable. Natty Melville called. That's how Isaiah got called. Think about how you were called and what you're being called to do and understand the steps you got to go through in order to be receptive to that call. See you guys next week. Be good. <laughs>